Red flags, but okay podcast beginning in five, four, three, two, one. Hello, Jennifer. What up, Caitlin? It's not That's Caitlin. not my name. <laughs> I know it's not Caitlin, but I just decided to name you that. So I was watching a movie recently. I think it was like Thor Love and Thunder or something. And in the credits was Jennifer Caitlin Robinson. And I was like, wouldn't that be cute? That was us. So but it's not even my name, but I've decided it is for this Ooh, purpose. To manifest it. Yeah. Welcome to Weird Flex But Okay, the podcast where we chit chat for a little bit. We tell you 10 facts that you almost definitely didn't know and you learn something, but only if you want to, because in our America, you are an autonomous human being who can make your own decisions. What are we talking about today, Jen? Today is room and board. Ooh. Yeah. And I just would like to throw a disclaimer out there right now. I've got a good thunderstorm going on. So mm. if you hear some loud booms, it's just Thor from Love and Thunder telling us yeah. he supports us being Jennifer Caitlin Robinson. So He does. He's the producer of this movie. Um, and I have a twofold thing where it is storming here as well. There might be thunder. That's fine. But then also it's me. So there will be trains. <laughs> okay. And we've I... decided it's the same storm for sure. Yeah. It's reaching all the way across the entire country. So you guys are also, dear listeners, experiencing this storm. So I have a whole host of crime stories. I have three out of five are crime stories, which is really fun. And that's just for you because I know you love them. <laughs> so let's get cracking. Yes. All right. I've decided right. you go first. Well, I do go first because you went first last time because I edited oh. it literally three days ago. There you go. You remember. <laughs> and I'm going to move my chair closer to my microphone real quick. So you get We started. popped off on this recording way faster than we usually do. <laughs> We're still in like preparation mode. <laughs> you get started. I'm a shift. Okay. Shifting, shifting. Okay. So in 2019, an Oregon woman called the police in a panic. Someone had broken into her home and was now barricaded in her bathroom. Terrifying. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. According what to if, dispatch. What if? What? Hang on. What if? Uh, okay. Here we go. What if she has IBS? <laughs> <laughs> and she can't get into the bathroom? She can't get into the bathroom. That's our hell. That's literally our nightmare. <laughs> That's can't tell I'm you saying. how many times I've gone like 100 miles an hour home and then like barely make it, which telling you. <laughs> hooray for us. Okay. <laughs> According to dispatch, she could hear them in the bathroom behind the door and she could see motion of them moving in the bathroom underneath the door. Okay. So she could definitely see that there was someone in her bathroom. Like, God, could you even imagine how terrifying that would yeah. be? Like, just to even know that someone was in your bathroom. The police came immediately and start you're the i heard that (laughs) you're the good cat (laughs) come on boys get it together okay the police came immediately and started giving orders to the assailant to come out of the bathroom they also saw movement and heard them but nothing happened finally guns drawn they burst into the bathroom only to find a roomba I, I remember hearing about yes. this <laughs> and I was like, oh, I hope this is where it's going. Yeah. The woman's Roomba had gotten locked into the bathroom and was bumping around trying to find its way out. Obviously, the woman was horribly embarrassed. But regardless, if you think someone has broken into your home, call the cops, you know, just do it. It's better to be embarrassed than murdered. But Jen, do you still have a robot maid that vacuums your floors? We have two. And I... Usually Roomba gets stuck under the um, couch. So 
but I, I like, wait for the day that Mr. you know who Mrs. shuts Rainbow. themselves in the bathroom is Jane. So <laughs> <laughs> call the cops on Jane for goodness sake. Um, it's a glorious invention for busy people, people with pets. My grandfather, who did not want one, but now loves his Roomba. Um, so many people, but I will say a very small percentage of Roombas do require police interaction. So if you are also a Roomba owner. Maybe if you feel like somebody's in your house, run out of your house, obviously, but on the way, just look and see if your Roomba is on its dock or maybe it's adrift within your home. (laughs) How, I just kind of wonder like how that wasn't, I guess you just, your door is shut and you see something moving and hear something moving, you think intruder, but yeah. also wouldn't you wonder where your Roomba is? I don't know. Like, I think if you, like, if you, your Roomba only went off on its daily toil when you're like at work or something you probably kind of forget it's around until you had to like empty it or whatever you know you know what that's true because joe and i were sitting on the couch the other day (laughs) yes exactly just like that and (laughs) and um all of a sudden i heard something about roomba being stuck like she just spoke from under the couch and i was like oh roomba I'm like even the, there. The robot overlords being just like around is so funny to me that they're like get, getting stuck, <laughs> just around, getting stuck under the couch, getting stuck around. I don't have a Roomba. I've never had one. I've wanted one so badly. When we lived in Japan, we had a one-story apartment with wood floors, and I would have really liked to have had a Roomba. Oh yeah, that would have been nice. All right, Kate, is your yes. family a board game family? We are a board game family. Yes, I knew this, but for the sake of the podcast, I had to yeah, ask. I just need need our fans to know that I know that you guys are a board game family. Because we <laughs> yeah, play board like games together. Like we're best friends or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so as you know, also, mine for sure is. like mm-hmm. Through my extended family, board games. Big time. Yep. Luckily for us, board games have been around for literally ever. Mm-hmm. And there's a few games that have been played for thousands of years and that are still being played. But only one reigns supreme at being the oldest born game that is still played today. What is it? Senate. Senate. I don't think I've even heard of this game. The game originated in ancient Egypt with boards being found from as far back as 3500 BCE. Which we know means before Christ even. Yeah, before Christ even. God. (laughs) The board is made of rectangular slabs of wood, limestone, and I forgot to look up how to pronounce this. Faience, I believe. I have no idea. It's a ceramic made from ground quartz. Oh, okay. And then they are coated with a brightly colored glaze and they feature carved squares and symbols. Okay. The exact rules of the game are technically unknown, but two researchers went through lots of text and found ones that mention the game to actually recreate the rules for modern players. So the current rules may not be exactly what was played in ancient Egypt, but they're pretty similar. um, And they obviously had to use kind of context clues to fill in some of the gaps. Okay. And I was going to list out the instructions on how to play, but it's a little complex. So if you want to know how to play Senate, just Google it. Uh, But 
for the gist, it's a two-player game where each player starts with five pieces, and the goal is to be the first player to get all of your pieces off the board. So it's kind of like moving in the different carved squares and symbols and getting your pieces off the board. So is it like a race from one side to the other through the carved pieces? I believe so. Okay. That's kind of what it looked like from, like I said, the explanations. There's a lot about which direction you can move and rooms and. Okay. Got it. Okay. I I have a question that you're probably about to answer. Has it, was it consistently played from the time that the game originated and it just changed over time and it got convoluted or is it has, was it like abandoned and then rediscovered and played again? I believe it was abandoned and then rediscovered. I think it was played for a really long time. Okay. And then there was kind of probably when there was lots of changing of hands of ruling and Egypt Mm -hmm. and everything, it got lost. And um, so the boards were found again. And so these researchers decided to figure out how you can, how it's played. And so now you can still play it. Fascinating. I do. I would like to play. I think it's like, one of those games where you it sounds like if you said it's like kind of the rules are really intense that it might be one of those games that kind of takes forever yeah but i think like once you figure out how to play it you're Mm -hmm. good to go nice that's cool senate so if you if you play senate please write us and let us know if you've ever played it because i know we're board gamey people and a lot of our friends are too i think there's like an online format we could play so Ooh. we should look that up because I bet you and I could just com- play against each other. That sounds fun. That sounds really fun. <laughs> All right, Jen, let's talk about the world's biggest room. We talk about tiny things a lot of like what's the smallest, but what's the biggest room? So the Boeing factory in Everett, Washington is the largest building in the world. But because the nature of the work is what it is, it also boasts the biggest room. The factory floor is about 398,000 square feet or 338 times the size of my apartment. (laughs) Or for you to better reference this, the entirety of Disneyland could fit inside of it and it would still have some room to grow. Oh, yeah, it's massive. So the ground. I thought you were going to tell me how many football fields it was. Well, I don't know what that is, so <laughs> we determined that only Joe knows what that is. And I don't know. <laughs> so the grounds boast a fire department, a daycare facility, a bank, and multiple airstrips. <laughs> but well, the biggest room is the factory floor itself, and currently in production there are all of the iterations of the 747, 767, and 777 airplanes, which are very large. So I will definitely post pictures on the Instagram. It's pretty wild to see, but they have many full-sized airplanes in production on the factory floor. And it is a production line, so it moves about an inch every couple minutes, the planes. And they're constructed as they move along. And it's really cool. Also, just a little sidebar, they don't have air conditioning. They have everything, but they don't have air conditioning. So the sides of the building are giant like garage doors. And if it gets too hot, they open the garage doors for airflow. And then if it gets too cold, they just turn on some of the over 100,000 lights on the ceiling. And that heats the building, which is, I imagine that over 100,000 fluorescent lights will heat a building pretty well. Yeah. 
but it is unbelievably huge. I mean, just thinking about it in terms of how many Disneylands yeah. inside of just the factory floor alone. Do you think Jeff yeah. Bezos, who for sure listens to this podcast, yeah, he does, <laughs> is like, I want to have the largest factory and he's going to like try and outdo him with an Amazon like distribution center. Could you imagine? Because I mean, I've heard stories of people in Amazon distribution centers, how they'll have to like, it'll take them like half an hour just to get to the bathroom and stuff. Could you imagine how hellish it would be? Because I think there's, I mean, I'm sure they have bathrooms all over the place in the Boeing factory. I haven't heard of their like human rights violations, but, <laughs> um, but could you imagine having to run across Disneyland to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, like Disneyland only having one bathroom. Yeah, and you have to go across that and like and, and it's like all these different workstations where they're working on airplanes. So it's very safety heavy. Mm-hmm. Cuz you can't just have a bunch of random stuff flying around. Yeah. Or you can if you watch any of the Boeing documentaries that I watched <laughs> and I thought that I was somehow accidentally killing people by grounding airplanes with my mind. <laughs> if you recall. <laughs> Yeah, that's the world's biggest room. And that's the factory floor of the Boeing factory in Everett, Washington. And I used to live in Bremerton, Washington, and my mom worked in Everett on a naval base. I believe I drove through Everett. Oh, yeah. Washington. Some time in Washington from time to time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Washington. It's so, it's, it's so pretty. So pretty. I'm going to stick with the board game rule. Nice. We're going to talk about everyone's favorite movie about a board game. Okay. Zenthura. Just kidding. I <laughs> Could you imagine? That movie. <laughs> I know. And that first second, I was like, oh my God, I'm totally going to pronounce it wrong. Did I pronounce it? I got it right. No, I've never seen it. What? Doesn't it have Dax Shepard in it? Oh, maybe. I know it has Kristen Stewart. Something else. Who knows? I've never seen it. <laughs> what well, is it? Really, Jumanji, of course. Yes. Oh, my God. Jumanji. And the original movie concept came from a 1981 book by Chris Van Allsburg. In case you didn't know, it's a children's book. Okay. And his inspiration for the book came from his own annoyance when playing board games as a child. Annoyance, sir. So here's the direct quote from him. When I was a little boy and I would play games like Monopoly, they seemed kind of exciting. But when I was done with the game, all I had was fake money. (laughs) So I thought it would be fun and exciting if there was such a thing as a game board where whenever you landed on a square and it said something was going to happen, it would really happen. Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is an interesting concept. Uh Uh-huh. So that is how Jumanji was born into first a book and then the movie. So obviously I never read the book. I didn't know it was a book originally, which is fascinating. I did not either. Um, and if it's a children's book, I might have to look when you I go to the library. You're going to have to look for it, yeah. Um, but so have you seen the new Jumanji movies? Yes. I actually really like them. I, I was like, I really hope you're about to say you like them because I think I they're fun. Because they, they don't try and just automatically yeah. copy the original. They build off of it. And yes, like and that. the fact that the original is referenced, like they're not pretending it yes. never existed. Like they exactly. are referencing the original in it because you can't just pretend that the Robin Williams Jumanji didn't exist. Didn't, yeah, I mean, we reference that movie in my house all the time. Like every time somebody wakes up confused, everybody says, "What year is it?" 
Do you got a ghost? Uh, Lily just was doing the little prairie dog stand to look oh, at good. something. So <laughs> I was sitting on my couch the other day and I was sitting on the couch and above me is like this fake uh, like animal head and it's like a sculpted <laughs> animal head and it's like close to the ceiling and I guess there was a bug on it and uh, <laughs> my cats were sitting on either side of me and both of them were doing like the prairie dog stance like they were going to try to jump up and get this bug <laughs> and I was in the middle and I was like so uncomfortable I was convinced they were going to jump on my face <laughs> both of them are so not coordinated they would have dove right into <laughs> oh here comes a train I think this one's going northbound yep there it is Um, last night there was a train that I think it broke down on the tracks or something because they were like doing some dramatic work on this train in the middle of the <laughs> night. And I was up listening to it. It just was like tons of banging and cranking. It sounded, it sounded like a joke, like a Foley artist was out there. <laughs> like someone was pretending to. <laughs> yeah. Like someone was just banging on empty things with like a giant box cars with a hammer. It was so loud. I'm going to give a trigger warning to start this one off. It is, it is uh, an intense story. This section includes a harrowing tale of sexual assault and abuse. I'm washing it a little bit for the purposes of our pod because details and violence are just not really what we do, even though, you know, we love a crime story, but not like this. Just know that it does contain a little bit of subject matter that is very intense. So take care if you're feeling vulnerable or if you have kids listening. All right. Jen, have you seen the movie Room? Yes, and I've read the book as well. Oh my gosh, yes. The book is very good. Oh, the the so movie good. is good too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Room is a book, obviously, and it was also a 2015 film starring Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay about a mother raising her son in a single tiny room after being abducted at a young age and held by an older man. There is assault involved and the mother eventually resorts to having her son fake his own death to escape the man. It is a fantastic film. Brie Larson won an Oscar for it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the story is partially inspired by some true events. One of those events that it that kind of triggered it, it wasn't written because of this, but the author did say that it triggered her writing this, was the imprisonment of Elizabeth Fritzel and her children. Elizabeth was born in Austria in 1966 and endured quite a bit of abuse at the hands of her father. She attempted to run away at one point, but was brought back by police. In August of 1984, her father had her help him carry a door downstairs to a basement that he was converting. She complied and held the door for him as he fitted into place and installed it. Unbeknownst to her, she wouldn't see the other side of that door for 24 years. Her father, whose name I am intentionally not saying because he doesn't deserve to have ever existed at all, had spent years converting the basement with the purpose of further abusing her. He absolutely did. In her 24 years of in the basement, Elizabeth endured at least eight pregnancies and gave birth to seven children. One child, a twin, did not survive infancy. Inexplicably, the three middle children were brought upstairs after birth to be cared for by Elizabeth's mother. Her father explained it away by saying that she dropped them off at the doorstep three times and both his wife and authorities just believed him. Like, great. 
and they were made legal foster parents of these children. Oh, to be a man on this planet. Mm -hmm. The three other children lived out their entire childhood and early adulthood in this unbelievably tiny room. The square footage, which was at one point almost doubled during their time in the basement, was just 590 square feet total. This included a cooking area, a bathroom, and two small cells that were used as bedrooms with two beds in each. Yeah. There are tons of pictures online, and it's completely horrific to look at that and think about the agony that happened in these tiny, tiny rooms. In 2008... 19-year-old Kirsten, the eldest of the children, fell gravely ill, and Elizabeth begged her father to take her to the hospital because she would die in the basement if he didn't. He agreed and left the other three remaining down there for another week. Eventually, doctors pieced together that his story made absolutely zero sense, and this girl had clearly never been outside in her entire life. They demanded answers, and in his infinite wisdom, Elizabeth's father agreed to free her and her other children so long as she told authorities that she'd been in a cult this entire time with her children and everything was just like super normal and above board with her dad. Needless to say, once she realized that she was safe and given a promise by authorities that she would never have to see her father again, she told them everything. She recounted the entire 24 years of hell in less than two hours. Elizabeth had taught her children to read and write and every single thing she knew about the world from behind eight locked doors underground. I know it's so, it's so intense. Like what a, what a mother she is now living in a remote village in Northern Austria with all of her children, the upstairs and downstairs children, where it is said that the townspeople put great effort into keeping them safe from anyone trying to find them against their will. It is also said that Elizabeth now enjoys shopping, taking very long showers, and driving aimlessly through the countryside. Her father, (laughs) now in his late 80s, is miserably suffering from dementia in Garston Abbey Prison. Well, I'm glad that her and all the children were able to get out safely. And thank God for medical professionals that know what signs to look for and Mm -hmm. know like when someone is in a dangerous situation and maybe can't seek help that they need. Yeah. And I, what really frightens me is that authorities just took at face value that this, that these children were just being dropped off. And, you know, when this guy just told everybody like, Oh yeah, she just ran off and she's in Lintz in a cult. And everyone was like, yeah, okay. Like obviously her mother is totally, also to blame like her mother did not look for her believed everything her husband said and there's a lot of talk about like well she was abused herself and blah blah no doubt but at some point like even they had tenants living in their home there was somebody who said they could hear stuff down in the basement and he would say oh it's old pipes or whatever but like they heard movement in the basement you know the mother heard movement in the basement Mm -hmm. if you could hear movement you could hear babies cry Yo, yeah. All those babies. Like babies are not quiet when they're, especially when they're in a situation like that they know is, yeah, not comfortable. And and I think about how many times in my day I have to say enough, like (laughs) because my kids are so loud. I mean, surely her mother had to have heard other children down there. And just to think about also how heartbreaking it was for her living down there with her kids and everything, but then being separated by just 
a floor from her other children. Yeah. They were just taken from her. That's so wild. But she is back with all of them and she is living safely and she has a bodyguard and she's, you know. And I love that this town is like ready to protect her. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, she doesn't do interviews or anything like that. I think at one point she did like send a letter or something like that, but she's Mm -hmm. like not interested in being in the public eye. I think it's, it would be such a, I think for her, such a blessing to live in a community that just like, no, you're normal now. Like you and your kids are normal because her kids did not have a normal life at all. Like the kid, the upstairs kids were abused by their, by their father, grandfather. And then the downstairs kids were also abused and then also had to witness their mother's torture. But in the end, it is not a happy story, but at least it has an ending where the, uh, the people remaining are exactly where they're supposed to be. Yes. I'm going to take us on a turn. Please do. Try and lighten the mood with some good old historical facts about boardwalks. Oh, yeah. Nice. As someone who has lived along many different coasts, yes. you're probably quite familiar with a, different, a various boardwalk. I love a boardwalk. The oldest American boardwalk is in the Atlantic City, New Jersey. I've been there. <laughs> well, did you know you were walking on the oldest boardwalk in America? This boardwalk stretches for about four miles along the coast currently. It was built in the 1870s with the goal of keeping sand out of the hotels because the sand discouraged people from enjoying the resorts there. Okay. It's just so silly to be like, I want a resort along the beach, but no sand. I guess if you were wearing a giant hoop skirt. Yeah. Pretty against sand. It gets even more bougie in that the boardwalk was originally designed to be collapsible so that it was used in the summer and then during the winter it was stored away. What? That's insane. I'm sorry, but that does not sound practical at all. In 1883, it was updated and so it was no longer collapsible and stored. But a year later, a storm destroyed a large portion of the boardwalk because New Jersey does often get hit by hurricanes and big storms. So the boardwalk got another large update. It was made raised above the water. It was made 20 feet wider and two miles longer than its original one mile length. Further storm damages in 1889 and 1994 led to more replacements and updates and led to it now being the four mile long stretch that you know and love today. I like that. That's nice. I do. I do love a boardwalk. I think it's really nice because I like just like walking and, and, you know, people watching and stuff. Boardwalks are a great place to do that. I can't wrap my head around the collapsible thing. Like, it, how exactly did they just pull, pop all the boards off of it and then just I don't put know. it away? It didn't really explain further how it was collapsible. It just said it got stored away during the winter, which is just so crazy. That's so odd. What were you guys doing back then? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Jennifer, have you ever heard of a room being stolen? Um. I mean, maybe in like America's Next Top Model, where they're like, when they rush into the house, and then someone's like, you stole the room that I was going to be in. 
I love this angle you're taking. Well, <laughs> it's not like that. Um, oh, but okay. I am going to tell you all about Not it. in like reality TV show stealing yeah. the room. Okay. It's literally a pack it up and steal it. Oh, okay. This room is old. This room is 321 years old, as a matter of fact. The Amber Room was designed and constructed in the early 18th century out of over 1,000 pounds of amber paneling, gilding, gold leaf, and gemstones, all carved and lit with candlelight. Originally installed in the Berlin Castle, it was moved from time to time between Prussian royal residences before ending up in Catherine Palace near St. Petersburg, Russia. It was expanded and remodeled several times, the panels eventually weighing in at six tons of amber. I hope I was hoping you were going to tell me because I was like, that sounds very heavy. <laughs> yes, extremely. And that makes the next parts even more interesting. When World War II broke out, there were steps taken to remove the panels and move them to a safer location towards the center of Russia. They were found to be way too brittle to move because amber doesn't come in giant sheets, obviously. It's mm -hmm. little pieces of amber all stuck together and then carved. Poor Amber. I can't believe they did that to her. I know. It's how dare you cut up little pieces of Amber. <laughs> Sorry. Distracted you with a bad joke. Uh, they were found to be way too brittle <laughs> to move, though, and would crumble if they were removed from the wall. Instead, they were covered in ugly wallpaper to disguise them when the Red Army had to leave the city. They literally just put <laughs> I just love what that. They thought would be the ugliest wallpaper over these million-dollar panels, hoping <laughs> that nobody would notice, and they just left because they had no other choice. <laughs> They're the like, Nazis yes. knew exactly. <laughs> Nazis what was are going to hate this design. <laughs> The Nazis knew exactly what was behind the wallpaper, though, because it had been advertised as the eighth wonder of the world for literally centuries. Everyone knew where it was. It's in a palace. Everyone knows. There's brochures and stuff. It's the 40s. The Nazis did remove the panels, though, because they were hot for art theft, and they relocated them to Königsberg Castle for storage and display. The castle was bombed and set on fire and completely destroyed in the war and provenance of the Amber Room was lost. There is a possibility that many people hold on to that the room was in boxes during the bombing and somehow survived. Some soldiers believed that the room was part of a massive shipment of art moved from Konigsberg toward the end of the war. So towards the end of the war, Hitler approved all of the stolen art to be moved to different locations because I think he knew obviously that the mm -hmm. war was going to come to an end. And I don't think they believed that the Reich would fall, but they definitely believed that they were going to lose some ground. And so all of the Russian stolen art was supposed to be packaged up, put on trains and moved. So there are some soldiers who had said that they were part of moving the Amber Room. It is true that art stolen by Nazis has been found and recovered from time to time. There was even a painting that had previously hung in the Amber Room, a mural, that was found in a Nazi soldier's family's home and given to the Russian government. And he said that he was part of packaging up the Amber Room. 
So there are definitely believers and they've searched many locations trying to find where even some evidence of this amber is because it's not only unbelievably valuable, but it's such a piece of history lost. Mm -hmm. Just to think that it could be never found is wild. What is most likely, though, is that most of the room did not survive being taken down as the amber was too brittle. What remained was almost certainly destroyed in subsequent bombings and fires or dismantled and melted down to be used by the rapidly fleeing Nazi army. So what I think happened is that when they took down the panels, a lot of them were probably destroyed because it was too brittle. Even the Russians who had put it up were not able to bring it back down. And so they probably pulled it off the walls and a lot of it fell apart. What was left, because amber can melt, gold can melt, it probably melted in the fires after being destroyed in the bombings. In the 1970s, construction began on a completely accurate reconstruction of the room. It took 24 years to complete because the actual evidence of the room were only a few black and white photos and the original plans from 1701, which were obviously very hard to read. Additionally, amber carving is an almost completely lost art form, and there were only about 40 amber craftsmen on the planet that could realistically construct the room. Yeah, it was completed and dedicated in 2004, and you can visit the reconstructed amber room and the entirety of Catherine Palace today if you want to. The original room, though, likely destroyed, remains a mystery. You know who, who can solve this mystery? Nicholas Cage? Yes. <laughs> the Amber Room. The person who can find where the Amber Room really went is Nicholas Cage in the next National Treasure movie. Oh, I wish. Have you ever seen the movie The Monuments Men? I have not. It's very, very good. I think Matt Damon's in it. I think I remember him being in it, but also I think I think, think he's I remember when it came out. It's very good, but it is about the um, members of the military whose job it was, and they were mostly art historians, whose job it was to find stolen Nazi art. And they did recover a huge amount of it. And there was one particular, um, there was a salt mine, I believe. It was a mine, but I believe it was a salt mine that they found a huge amount of art being stored in. And um, one of the thing, one of the objects that they believed was in that mine was going to be the amber room but it was not they did not find it you know it's because nicholas cage wasn't in it (laughs) if he had been there just even in the movie they would have found it (laughs) i really do hope that one day it's somehow found and but i think at this point like any nazi art that was stolen that has not yet been found is probably destroyed sadly yeah. I was saying Nazi art. It's not, it was stolen by Nazis. None of it is Nazi art. Yeah. That's not correct. Well, next up in our agenda today. Yes. Is every basic white girl's favorite dish the charcuterie board? Oh, of course. I, I heard a guy try to say that word the other day. <laughs> I wish I could remember what it was. It was so wrong. And then he finally just said, it's meat and cheese on a cutting board. And everybody goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I say that with all the love in my heart because I love a good charcuterie board. Who doesn't? And where does the name come from? Hmm. Obviously, it's French. And charcuterie means flesh cooked. Well, I don't love it. It's terrifying. 
But the term was used to reference cooking devoted to prepared meat products such as bacon, ham, sausage, terrines. Here's where we get a lot of French words that I'm going to mispronounce. Galantines, ballotines, pâtés, and confit, primarily from pork. I think that was all right based on me not knowing if it's right or not. (laughs) Love that. It was originally created as a way to preserve meat when there was no refrigeration in France in the 15th century, but continued on once refrigeration was created because it was appreciated for the flavors that those meats produced when they were prepared that way. So charcuterie is a way of preparing a type of meat, primarily pork, but not just pork now. Wow. Someone who practices charcuterie is known as a charcuterie, charcutier, charcutier, okay. nice. <laughs> which tra- translates not to flesh cooked, but to pork butcher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that for us. Now, a charcuterie board is a collection of cured meats served on a slab of wood or stone alongside some cheese and crackers. I love it. That's great. They gained some popularity in the early 1900s when we transitioned from those more formal, like, course dinners to cocktail parties where everything was kind of handheld. But they didn't get introduced really into the United States until after World War II when soldiers brought back a lot of meats and cheeses from Europe after being over there. Then in the 1990s, grocery stores began to stock a wider variety of cuisine. And so we saw an increase in the popularity of charcuterie boards. And now they've really taken over social media by a storm. You can spend endless hours browsing the different intricate designs of charcuterie boards that are out there. Because there are some insane ones that people do with their designs of their charcuterie boards. Have you seen the new thing? I say new. It's like, you know, over the last two years of people doing like the full tables. Yes. Raising tables where it's just basically a giant charcuterie board. Yes, I've seen that. It's crazy. That's got to be exhausting to put together. I mean, people make a whole business out of it now of of making those for people's events, which is like, I love that idea when it's like close friends and stuff. If it was, you know, our close friends, like, oh, yes, big time. But whenever it's like a corporate event, I don't want everybody grazing at a table. I don't know you. I can't, like, if, I mean, this would never happen where I work, but um, if everybody at my work stuck their hands onto a table, I would not touch that. (laughs) All right, Jen. As you know. I love staying in unique hotels. Oh, I love yes, a, you do. I love an interesting room. I'm especially partial to anything old and haunted or themed 1960s motels. My two favorites are the Wigwam Motel in San Bernardino, where you stay inside a very problematic 1960s teepee, or the Space Age Motel in Gila Bend, New Mexico, which I absolutely love forever, and I hope it stays there. It's fantastic and also very clean, I will say. <laughs> it's very clean, not just for Gila Bend, but for everywhere. It's very clean. But I don't have unlimited funds, unfortunately. But imagine for a moment that I do. We do. We can stay anywhere. So I have compiled a list for you, Jen, my love. I can't wait. Let's go to our top five picks of the most unique hotel rooms in the world that we would enjoy staying in. 
This is going to be great for our road trip. Yes, this is all over the place too. (laughs) So our first journey is just that, a journey. Have you ever wanted to dog sled, play in the snow, sleep in a ship trapped in a frozen Arctic Arctic circle? Yes, that sounds amazing. So we can do all of that in Norway, where you can book a room on a 110-year-old ship that is frozen into a fjord. (gasps) Yes, you get five-star service and the adventure of a lifetime, and there's sled dogs involved. It's amazing. It's really beautiful. And you get to stay on a ship, like an actual working ship, in the wintertime where it's not moving at all because it's frozen into the fjord. Yeah. You don't get seasick. That's crazy. It's great. All right. Next, we have something less exotic, but much more your style. You're going (laughs) to love this one. In Cottonwood, Idaho, you can stay in a dog-themed room inside of a giant dog. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of dog? (laughs) I will get there. The (laughs) Dog Bark Park Inn. (laughs) Is a cultural monument if your culture is dogs, which it is. It is. It is a beagle, in case you're wondering which you obviously were. It's, that's and that acceptable. is in Cottonwood, Idaho. So just a hop, skip, is, and a jump. Is it dog friendly, though? I think it is. Okay. I think it is dog friendly. It better be. I forgot to double Google, but yes, I think it is dog friendly. All right, that one was all for you, but this one is all for me. So Skylodge Adventure Suites is a glass capsule hanging off the side of a cliff in Cusco. First, you have to climb over 400 meters of a mountain path and then zip line to your capsule. After okay, that, though, cool. you get to wake up with an unforgettable once-in-a-lifetime view of the Sacred Valley. I do just about anything to stay there. It is gorgeous. And you are between Cusco and Machu Picchu in the mountains. And it sounds gorgeous. The pictures look gorgeous. You're in a glass capsule. So you're just everywhere you look is just this gorgeous landscape that is very small amount of touches from human beings in that area. It's beautiful. And also because of the location, you get to have some altitude sickness. <laughs> you can totally work full time with migraines inside of your capsule. But I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll take it all. Worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I will not leave you hanging, Jen. I have another one that is very much for you. This okay. one is called Book and Bed in Tokyo. And it's exactly the place for you. You can climb through openings in their bookshelves to sleep in little pods between the stacks. Oh my gosh, it's like secret bookshelf doors. Well, it's not like it's better than that because you don't even open it. It's just in the bookshelf or little holes that you climb into, and then there's a sleeping (laughs) pod inside. It's amazing. If that gets too claustrophobic, you can lay next to massive windows overlooking the Tokyo skyline. Ooh. Both so excellent options. Yes, it's very good. This is the last one, and it's a little bit of romance for us. Oh. Yeah, because we've always wanted to go on a honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> In Amberg, Germany, there is a hotel that is unbelievably tiny at only eight feet wide. It has one room and one bathroom and is decorated in homey but elegant style. This isn't what makes it special, though. It's unbelievably romantic for an unexpected reason. 
When the hotel was built, it was only legal to get married in Germany if you owned a home. This law was meant to circumvent poor couples from getting married and having children. The tiny building was constructed in an alleyway between two buildings to be sold from couple to couple in order for them to be allowed to get married. Once married, they'd sell it to the next couple. There's no way of knowing how many couples have lived there, even briefly, since it was built in 1728. But I would love to stay there. It's so romantic. That is romantic. And what a great way to stick it to the man. Yeah, I know. I think it's nice. Like, they would just sell it for, like, pennies to each other. Just sign it over so that they could technically own a home. I would like to add one to our list that I just saw pop up on my Instagram feed. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you done? I have one. Oh, I have a, one more. Okay. I have one, I have one more. <laughs> okay. I have one more. I thought that I was said, it. So I know I said five, but I have an honorable mention. <laughs> oh, I was not counting. So, so you could have told me that was five. <laughs> so the reason this is an honorable mention is because I don't actually want to stay here, but at the same time, like I really, really do. <laughs> oh, <no>. So <laughs> you're going to love this one. In rural Belgium, you can stay in a one-room hotel that is definitely unique. It is called the Cassanus Hotel, and it is shaped like a giant red rectum complete with a skin-toned anus. You can sleep inside of a butthole. <laughs> it is moderately priced at only 150 euros per night, which is honestly high, and uh, breakfast is included. Oh, well. And a bathroom, of course. <laughs> what was yours? Um, I just saw it and came up on my Instagram feed. And it was, there's like a hotel. I don't remember what city it's in or what the hotel name is. But they have a room that's all glass walls in the lobby that you can stay in for free. If you, as long as you're willing to just like let people stare at you if they want to. So, it might have shown up on your feed as like recommended or something because I liked a post recently that was like that exact one. Cause it's a couple I follow that stays in unusual hotels. Oh, I bet that's why it popped up. Yeah. <laughs> and they stayed and it's free to stay there. Like you said, it's free to stay mm-hmm. there. If you um, it, like just agree to stay in a completely glass room. Yeah. It's part of just, like an art exhibit. Yeah. It's basically an art exhibit. And um, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a room with a bed. The bathroom is not glass. The bathroom yeah. isn't closed, but there are just people in the lobby. Like you are in the middle of the lobby. Yeah. The Anyone lobby can just walk in and watch you. Yeah. It is off-putting. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Okay. The, the rain is picking up outside. <laughs> Which is perfect. We're set in the mood because. Oh, yes. You knew I couldn't cover the topic of board without discussing the classic horror board game, the Ouija board. A brief rundown in case you don't know what it is. A Ouija board, also known as a talking board or a spirit board, is a flat board marked with the letters of the alphabet, the number zero to nine, the words yes, no, occasionally hello and goodbye, and some usually there's extra various symbols and graphics depending on the style you buy or purchase. A planchette is used by participants to spell out messages from spirits. And there's division among the world of believers on whether Ouija boards open the door for demonic possession or if they're a way of communicating with lost loved ones. Either way, 
they lead to some good scary stories. So here's some true stories from a few people who have used a Ouija board and lived to tell the tale. Before you start, um, the second you said Ouija board, my other black cat, the screamer, he <laughs> appeared from under my bed. And now my two cats are just in the in a dark corner staring at each other. <laughs> well, that's great because this first one is perfect for you. So haunted. I'm reading it from the perspective of the people who shared their stories online. Excellent. I was about 12 or 13 spending the night at a friend's house, goofing around with the Ouija board with him and his sister, and we were getting all sorts of gibberish plus words spelled out, just kind of scaring ourselves for fun, not taking it very seriously. When we got the message, I can see you through the window. (gasps) And then I can see you through his eyes or something like that. There was just a small window in the basement room where we were and just the backyard and woods past the driveway visible through that window. We asked it more questions and it said, I'm under the car. So we somehow got up the nerve to go out with a flashlight and peer under the car, which is how you get possessed or murdered in a horror movie. (laughs) Where we saw a huge black stray cat, which was hissing. It was Mo. (laughs) we ran inside freaking out and at that exact moment the power failed and all the lights in the house went out we just about actually shit ourselves a few minutes later power came back and we sat up till dawn that night scared and never played with the board again (laughs) mo say something now is the time (laughs) i was as i was reading that about the power failing the lights going out i was like i swear to god if one of us loses our power right now it's it's literally like a dark and stormy night for both of us right now and i have two black cats just ominously staring in the dark (laughs) i was house sitting for my parents last night and this was the last section of notes i had to do before we were recorded and i told kate i was like i'm waiting till tomorrow because i'm not about to get myself haunted while home alone in my parents house (laughs) The next one. My mom. Oh, no. Do I have to read it in a British accent then? Please don't. Please don't do that. (laughs) It'll be too funny for me. I won't be able to handle it. My mom has warned me against using them due to her own experience. She used one at a friend's house when she was young. Nothing of consequence happened during the use of the board, yet she noted that whatever ghost they were chatting with seemed to be violent and have it in for her. She shrugged it off and left in her car. On the way home, she hit and gruesomely killed a horse, which appeared out of nowhere, running at her car in the middle of a city in the afternoon. A horse? A horse. What the heck? Yeah. Okay. And then the last one. My great aunt has never married. And when I asked why, my dad told me the story. Apparently, when she was 16, she had a pretty serious boyfriend. When she used a Ouija board, she asked if they would get married, and it said no. Oh. She asked if it would if they would break up. No. Asked if one of them would die, and it said yes. <gasps> when she asked which one of them, it said goodbye. No. A week later, he was in a wood chipper accident at the mill <sighs> where he worked. Ah! No, oh my God. <laughs> so, are these just really creepy coincidences? Probably. But will I ever use a Ouija board? Probably not. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a fun story. I think I probably already told you this story, but I have I'm a like, Ouija board. I know board. you have used one. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah. Um, so I have a Ouija board and the <laughs> the reason I have it is because my mom, who is a very Catholic woman, but has a good sense of humor, my mom sent it for my oldest daughter's birthday and she sent it with a bunch of candles <laughs> for her 11th birthday. <laughs> and then they came to visit not that long after and it was, they came to visit for Easter. And so for on, on Easter Sunday, and I will add, this was not my idea. It sounds like it would be, but it was my Catholic mother's idea. We had a seance. I think my dad was watching Disney plus in the background too, but we had a seance for Jesus. <laughs> where we tried to summon Jesus. Did it work? Easter Sunday. During full daylight in my living room with a Ouija board and a bunch of battery-operated electric candles, um, Jesus did not come. <laughs> he was Ugh. busy. Rude. <laughs> Classic Jesus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have not used the Ouija board since. And, oh, don't eat my plants, you haunted cat. <laughs> oh, Stop oh staring at people from under cars in the driveway. Oh, my God. He's giving me the meanest look. What? Get over here nightmare i should have named him nightmare well i love that because i love a ouija board even though i have never had an actual like paranormal experience with one um but i like the idea that people are causing themselves to be haunted mm-hmm. but the horse one is the one that messed me up the worst it's wild could you imagine how horrifying horses are huge it's horses running yeah in the middle of a city where you would not expect a horse to be that's the most horrifying thing I can – a horse mm-hmm. running at your car while you're driving is one of the scariest things I can imagine. No, thank you. I don't like that. Okay. Well. But I did like your stories, so <laughs> I appreciate that. I love a good paranormal section. Mm-hmm. Um, should we go to Citation Street? Let's do it. On horseback? Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I'm all scared of everything. Stop it. Mo, stop. If you wanted to be out, you should have been out. I didn't even, I did not know he was in this room <laughs> at all until you, until you said Ouija board and then he comes out of the shadows. He's <laughs> like, oh, I heard it. you're about to tell my story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> what on earth? So we have the floppy handles, the flap, uh-huh. what are they called? The whatever handles. And the cats figured out that on the back door that they can do that and they can open the back door because it doesn't quite like you have to push it to latch it. And so they try it on every single door now, but they can't (laughs) open them. So they just like make the loud banging sound of like flapping them up and down. (laughs) It is so loud. They do it to the baby's door all the time, but luckily she's used to sleeping through trains. So they don't wake her up very often. Okay. Now that my cats are haunting the crap out of me, thanks to your Ouija board (laughs) stories. All right. Uh, For Roomba crime, that came from ABC News. The Boeing factory, biggest room, that came from Boeing.com and How Stuff Works. (laughs) I'm legitimately terrified of these cats right now. Um, The Elizabeth Fritzel story in the movie Room, that came from... Scroll, scroll, scroll. Last podcast on the left and Wikipedia. The Amber Room being stolen. That came from Smithsonian Magazine, my boo. And the list of five, actually six, very bizarre hotel rooms. That came from Atlas Obscura and UniqueHotels.com. 
oldest board game Senate came from oldest.org. Oh. Jumanji facts about the book and what inspired him came from Mental Floss, Old Faithful. The Atlantic City Boardwalk came from a blog called Discover Walks, which I feel like you would love. Oh. <laughs> you might be able to discover some good walks on there. Nice. Wikipedia gave us our history on the wonderful charcuterie boards. And for the Ouija board, the little background on what it is came from Wikipedia. And the stories came from people who submitted to a thought catalog article where there was about 15 other stories in case you want to get your spook on. (laughs) Not right now. (laughs) There's a cat also, there's a cat trying to attack my door. And there's also a cat in my bathtub. That's just, (laughs) I can only see his glowing eyes. These actual creeps. I can't believe them. Oh my gosh. Well, this was a really good episode and I had a good time. I hope you guys did too. If you want to reach us for any reason, if you perhaps have been haunted by a wedgie board or if you have possibly had a horse running at you in the middle of the night, I hope that's never happened. um, You can find us at Weird Flex Podcast on Instagram or weirdflexpodcast at gmail.com to send us a little zip us an email. Um, you can send us topics that you think are cool. You can send us stories you think are cool and we'll probably use them in upcoming episodes or send us some paranormal stories. We really, really love them. Mm-hmm. Um, do we know what we're doing next? I don't think we do. So give hmm. us an idea. Tell us yeah, what you want. Give us some ideas. We're always up. Mariah, friend of the pod, Mariah sent us a giant list. So we're, <laughs> we usually pick from something. Mariah <laughs> ultimate friend of the pod um well it was nice to talk to you guys i hope you enjoyed our stories and uh my cats so we'll talk to you next time Bye bye bye